Welcome to Philanthropy Today. Our goal is to inspire giving by educating listeners on ways to give and how to connect with charitable causes. My name is Dave Lewis. I'm your host of Philanthropy Today. Thank you for joining the show. Vern Hendricks, we are taking a different direction here with our podcast series and visiting with some of the people that have had the opportunity to serve as past presidents of the Greater Manhattan Community Foundation, especially from the very beginning. We got one of those dudes here. (laughs) Indeed. Uh, Dirk was certainly at the table when a lot of things were being discussed. Uh, He served as the second board chair of the Community Foundation, and uh, uh, so he brings a lot of history of, of what was being talked about, uh, talked about around the table back at that time. So, yeah. Dirk, welcome yeah. here today. Well, appreciate it. Glad Thank to you. have you, and yeah. uh, just love to hear, you know, some of the thoughts around the table and what was going on, and then a little bit about uh, your year as, as the board president. Yeah, I think everybody was at that initial meeting, which is well documented, was at the trust company when their offices were down on the corner of 4th Street. I was there in a capacity as the past board chair of United Way. And uh, in that, uh, we were uh, looking at developing uh, some type of an endowment uh, organization, a foundation. There were others there, Jim Gordon, Jim Morrison, that certainly over the course of their lifetime, uh, they had done enough work with other organizations like a United Way setting up an own foundation. And I think they were at their wits end ready to find another vehicle and and the community foundations were just starting Mm -hmm. to take a hold at at that particular stage. Uh, It was uh, a great experience to to listen to Mark and and Jim and Jim kind of talk about how to get this thing off the ground. I think there were a couple other individuals there. Uh, Individual from the Genealogical Society was there. Uh, You know, everybody was there with a desire of how do we make it as seamless for donors as possible? Right. Uh, user-friendly, a, a term that uh, was used throughout that whole first uh, year or two, and the guy that was hitting that home still candidly in meetings uh, that I'm with him uh, uh, now and again, Jim Morrison, you know, it was user-friendly, donor-friendly. That was, that was the key words that were used. But after that meeting, uh, we had a follow-up and said, okay, what are the action steps? Well, we need to get some documents filed with the state. That's going to take a little money. I wrote a $200 check, and uh, we were off and running. That was one of the stories that came out the other day that um, Dirk wrote the first check. Yeah. You know, only $200, Dirk? Yeah, well, it was a filing, <laughs> it, it, it was a filing, filing fee to get us started, and, and certainly the first thing we needed to do was figure out what kind of staffing we're going to have to get we can volunteer our, our life our times but at some point we've got to find a, a staff we uh, knew of an individual Annalee Donnelly uh, ended up being able to work part-time the offices uh, space was available uh, Jim Gordon had in, in the basement of the Commerce Building and and we were off and running but you know the the real growth of the foundation and many of the foundations across the state of Kansas was the Kansas Health Foundation coming in and offering up challenge money and that put us in a position where we were able to put a campaign together and go out and solicit a lot of uh, $10,000 donors yeah so Dirk there's no question that uh, your professional expertise is in the finance business and uh, and your, uh, some of your early steps live in infamy because um, I do believe in the early days you were putting this together, a uh, performa together yep. to try to 
track the foundation's finances moving forward just so that they could kind of plan? Well, well we still use that today. Well, there you so. go. That's <laughs> uh, amazing. Uh, Excel uh, hasn't uh, made it uh, obsolete, you know. Had I started, uh, let's say, a decade earlier, it would have been in Lotus, and I'm not sure that Lotus would have converted over to Excel. But. Yeah, it's, uh, we, we use that to project, and it's always brings yeah. a smile to my face knowing yeah. that this uh, has a long history and yeah. uh, in the part so well it, it's just amazing to see where we've come but again you know it really started with a, a core group of people and the ask for us to get the ten thousand dollars from anybody was was easy yes here it is here it is here it is and you go back and you look at uh, all of the founders and, and it wasn't just the the ten thousand dollar uh, donors. There were other individuals that gave $500 or $1,000, and so the list is uh, um, yeah. pretty, pretty significant. But the whole purpose uh, of our pitch at the 10000 was we have an opportunity to get match money. We won't come back for more money. And I think to the day, right. we really haven't. The whole, the whole pitch is we want to make it a place where you as donors can come and utilize us as uh, as uh, a resource. Right. I'm thinking 25 years ago, you would have been considered in today's environment here at the GMCF a young trustee. Young trustee. I mean, yeah. you were you were a young up and coming. You were a yuppie. I was. I was. Yeah, at 33, I guess. Um, uh, at that particular point in time, I had been with uh, Steel and Pipe Supply for about six years. Mm -hmm. You know the. The thing about steel and pipe, and we hold this true today, we want involvement of all of our staff in the community. It's, right. it's, it's a leadership development tool. Uh, we're going to be supportive of our people getting involved. And, you know, when I was on United Way and I said, hey, there's this meeting, I told Dennis Mullen I was going to attend. I don't know what the outcome's going to be, but he said, well, whatever it is, you'll find the right answer and steel and pipe will support you. And, you know, again, ultimately, I think that's how we. Uh, grew ourselves into the right. position where um, we were able to convince Jack Goldstein that when you pass, uh, your uh, part of your estate needs to drop into the foundation. Yeah. So, well, there's no question that uh, uh, not only that um, the steel and pipe supply companies version of community and, and even just the founders when they gave the ten thousand mm -hmm. dollars, community is the key word in that whole process. And uh, uh, to your point. Uh, there's still those three hundred thousand dollars here today that was always there as a safety net, and uh, this community, this area, supported this foundation enough to that that is still there as a safety net. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. when you sat down with all of these early founders, early the the people that really kind of you know, got everything together, created that inertia mm -hmm. to to build this organization. What were some of the biggest challenges? You, you talked about, you know, saying that the $10,000 checks came. You know, the Kansas Health Foundation was obviously a significant contributor to, mm -hmm. to making it grow even even more so. But, but the organizational aspect of creating a community foundation certainly has its challenges yeah. from, from both a legal and a financial perspective. Yeah, yeah I think the, uh, the, the concern we always had was the advisors and how do we how do we get to people? So, so when, when people make their decisions uh, with their estate, uh, their accountant and their attorney are, are likely two that are involved, but there's also, if they have resources, um, it's, it's their investment advisors. And so getting those three areas uh, aligned 
was uh, one of the, the, you know, significant, how do we do it, who do we do it, and, and so much of that was getting the right trustees built, expanding ourselves from a board of six that grew to be nine, uh, that grew to be 12. Again, there'd be seven or eight of us at a, at a meeting, but it was establishing the committees. And so mm-hmm. when you spoke to the asset development committee, you know, part of their initial challenge was how do we reach the investment advisors? How do we say we want that money here, but we're not going to put you in a situation where you're going to lose your uh, fees right. that you're generating off of it. Right. And I think that once once we did that, and it certainly didn't happen uh, overnight. You, you can imagine, you know, the turf. Uh, anytime you talk about your own compensation, right? Uh, you know, that has to come into play. But it it started to take off, and once we got. One to two years in, by the time I was president, I think Jim was president for the first two years, and then I believe I took over. It, it we started getting, um, you know, some advisors in. Uh, Matt Paquette had had uh, somebody who sent some money, and right. you know, other individuals would Commerce Trust at that point in time had had some people that that had sent some money, and it, it, it's a small little circle, but if you can get those people together three times a year and let them talk, the good stories pass. And again, that to me was, was probably the biggest challenge. The money was gonna come at some point, you knew that it was gonna come. Again, you think of, of the uh, several of the, the different early gifts that we had, the, the real estate uh, gift that we get, um, it happens because uh, you know an attorney sat there and he knew right. of it and said, what about this right. as an option? Um, so. Well, and uh, to your point, we have 20 advisors involved in the Community Foundation today and uh, certainly welcome more for the reasons that you just talked about. Yeah. So, yeah, Those relationships are key to yeah. the success of any organization, yeah, obviously. Right. Yeah. What about the um, response from the nonprofit community? So um, everybody, uh, again, at that particular point in time, you didn't have a lot of our nonprofits that had nest eggs. Somewhat is the case today, still. Um, uh, absent the money that they have here at the Community Foundation, uh, as a result of uh, you know the matching that's occurred and and the donors who uh, see that as a way to give for the year to right. be able to get the the How Family Foundation uh, match. Um, not many people had a lot of extra cash, so for us to sit there and say set up a fund for $10,000 as an endowed fund, that, that was a, a tough sell. We'd get a couple of them that had had it, but you know, the, part of their uh, initial questions is when you gave them a statement on a quarterly basis and the dollars went backwards, they had a hard time uh, understanding the hows and the whys. And it, you, know, you have to think of it as a savings account and it's a long-term savings account. And, and here's the reason why you want to uh, have your name listed. We're going to put a brochure together, and on that brochure, it's going to list your organization. And so if we can put that brochure in um, a law firm, and uh, you know, Sean Robin can sit there and pull this out and say, here you go, uh, let's talk about where you want your money to go, here's all kinds of choices. Right. Everybody wants to give it to their kids, 
but you know, candidly, we're in a different ballgame today. Most mm -hmm. people have additional resources and the mindset, because of the whole transfer of wealth, again, in my lifetime, we've gone through one of those little transfer of wealth cycles. Um, there'll be another one that'll come and, and you know, kids don't need as much as of, of the state. And again, I think you've got the donor advice funds that are, are showing you that. Well, the, you talk about the transfer of wealth. The, the whole community foundation movement was based on capturing 5% of that transfer of wealth. And mm -hmm. so 25 years ago, uh, uh, that was a big deal. Well, you know, from zero to today's number of 325 million, um, yeah, if we don't have a community foundation, where does that go? Right. And uh, so, right. uh, congratulations, you, you made a difference. So, yeah. <laughs> so let's go back to your year yep. as president. Yep. In your year, what do you think was one of the significant things that happened um, by you or even anybody else on the committee, but what was an element in that year that is a memory point for you? So in a watermark, um, we had, in within the first year, uh, we had a real estate uh, piece that came in, okay. and, and that kind of moved our assets up, uh, you know, all of a sudden very quickly you're at um, 200,000 uh, of, of a piece of real estate, and the real estate again was sold and ultimately that turned in, into cash. But you know, once you had a annual meeting where you could sit there and start putting a chart together that said, again, by year number three, we were at 200,000, then you were at 275,000, then you were at you know, uh, 300, 400, 500, 600, you started saying the growth strategy. Right. So you know, there certainly wasn't anything I did during that, but that, I think, had to be the start of everything for the community to say, wait a minute, this thing is a reality. Mm -hmm. It wasn't just a pipe dream that, you know, um, a trust officer, a, a accountant, an attorney uh, decided we needed to do just to make their life right. easier. Right. Which all three of those guys, Mark, uh, uh, Jim, and Jim, mm -hmm. you know, certainly their, uh, their life was made easier, but, you know, they're all community citizens. All of those things they were doing, they were doing probably pro bono as it, as it was, um, but, but for, for them to be able to step back and say, wow, this thing is happening. And, and then once you start getting that, then all of a sudden you start saying, okay, now what other kind of investments right. should we be looking at? I mean, at, at that particular point in time, um, you know, you, you didn't have a, a massive number of investments. You right. had uh, uh, a balance fund, a growth fund, and, uh, you know, those were really your 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 choices and, and we were trying to put the right assets in and you know I, I remember sitting in an investment committee meeting and John Graham who was also on uh, on the board as one of the trustees you know John might be one of the smartest people I've ever met here in in town and um, you know he he sat there and gave some advice uh, that I, I still to this day believe the investment committee probably is following and that is don't try to hit the home run with this money guys the idea is stability and so you know. so maybe that's your answer but um, is there a decision that the board made that year that you feel was a was a real strategic decision I, I don't I don't know that my year had any of those I, I think several years thereafter uh, we had some uh, strategy things involving Kansas Health Foundation, involving uh, 
foundation in Kansas City, the Kauffman Foundation, that uh, seeded us money so that we could uh, develop the youth portion. Right. And, and again, the youth portion today you know, is pulling uh, an opportunity to teach you know, high school aged right. um, uh, kids. I, I don't know how many are in the YAC now, but whatever that group is, you're teaching these 17 to 18 year olds right. phil philanthropy before they get to the point where they even have dollars. And, and, and they're making hard decisions about where to donate $1,000. I mean, $1,000, that's a lot of money to those kids, yeah. and, and it's significant. But, but you know, my year was simply just a, a don't let the ship fail and uh, <laughs> fill the gaps. Well, I, so. think, uh, I think you're being very modest because you just mentioned the uh, uh, growth of the professional advisor strategy. You you mentioned the first real estate get, right. gift. You mentioned starting the youth impacting community programs. So there's a lot of things that happened that year. So. Yeah. Well, the 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 best part about um, the structure that that we have here at the community foundation is um, the large trustee base. Right. So you know, of all the trustees, you don't all have to be involved to be on a committee every year. Right. But you're stepping out saying, I can be a resource if necessary. And right. through that resource, some people have to step up and say, okay, it's time for me to be on the executive committee. Yep. And, and so the feed of learn about the foundation and feed, you know, we started that early as the process of developing trustees. And again, you look at the uh, brochure, I don't know what do you have now, 400, 500 trustees, I don't know. Well, we have a, a very long list. The bylaws that you you helped put together only allow for 150 active oh, trustees, but then we've got a couple hundred that are emeritus that have yeah. been trustees at yeah. one point in time. Yeah. So, yes, yeah. so well, it seems like the bylaws need to be expanded. <laughs> Our communities have grown uh, there are other pretty significantly. <laughs> yeah, there, there are, are other opportunities. So there are a lot of nonprofits <laughs> yeah. that are looking for board members well, and, and things yeah. like that, yeah. and so yeah. that's a. That's yeah. a good place for, for many. Yeah. If you look back at 25 years, what is there anything that really truly stands out to you that you may be most proud of? You know, I, I alluded to steel and pipe supply. And, um, you know, we are fortunate in this community to have many uh, longtime families uh, contribute. Um, you know, steel and pipe has always been a company that has supported the community uh, and the philanthropic areas. Um, but when uh, Dennis was able to convince Jack to um, uh, make sure that his money would fall in, I think what that's given us is size and space. Yeah. As the growth of steel and pipe supply has happened, um, certainly over the last 25 years, um, we still have uh, a, a, a basket of money that goes significantly deep into this community for large projects. Mm -hmm. So without the foundation, that certainly could have continued. I mean, his assets would have continued to, to do something. Uh, uh, a trustees of six would have made decisions, but now we're able to cascade that out mm -hmm. and touch so many more projects so again, my short answer would be um, setting up something to catch the basket mm -hmm. that had to end. And, and that was really the whole purpose of, 
of setting up the foundation is how do we keep, Mark Krakenhoffel has uh, alluded to this before, you know, when money goes to New York City, a couple million dollars goes to New right. York City to go to an organization that they had really no tie to, uh, we lost something. Mm -hmm. and, and, and with the foundation, we've now captured that to the tune of 325 uh, well, Dirk, we, we appreciate your vision, your leadership during your time and continued support uh, since then. And uh, we thank you for being a part appreciate of our 25-year uh, past president series here. And, uh, and thank you for, for all you've done. Uh, the, the larger question is, when we have the 50, will I still be around? <laughs> <laughs> well, and, I, and I'm sitting here thinking, your initial $200 investment yeah. that started this has probably been the greatest investment that you've ever made. Uh, well, it certainly it certainly had the most growth. Yes. Absolutely. Well, well it's well, a delight to, to, to visit with you, and, and thanks that. for sharing your stories. Yeah, appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for Philanthropy Today, an inside look at the Greater Manhattan Community Foundation. You can always learn more about the GMCF at our website, mcfks.org. We also invite you to subscribe to Philanthropy Today on Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Dave Lewis. I'm proud to host Philanthropy Today. It's hosted and produced in the Ad Astra Cast Studios in downtown Manhattan, Kansas.